Good morning and Merry Christmas. What a joy it is to be with you guys this morning. Um, I hope you've been able to enjoy a morning in the snow with your family, enjoying looking outside, and we are grateful that we actually moved service online this morning as that was a, uh, a slippery drive coming in here this morning. I'm so grateful that when we moved here, Shannon told me to, to get a, a, an all-wheel drive vehicle, but even with that, I was weaving back and forth, uh, not really helpful having the, almost my entire driving career being in South Africa and other parts of the world without snow, um, but grateful that we can be able to do this online this morning. We had an incredible Christmas Eve service on, on uh, Friday night that was such a joy. And, and thank you for all of those that, that helped chip in to make that possible. It was a, a wonderful thing to be able to take part in. Um, but also, sadly, that event, as we are online today, we can see is also that uh, we had multiple people who tested positive for COVID after that event. And so out of an abundance of caution and to be able to care for our broader community, we realized it was best for us to move things online as people were present at, who, who tested positive, were present at both services and were kind of core to some of the operations. And so next week we'll be back in person and hope to see you there. Um, and if you have any questions about that or any of the process with that, feel free to contact our office. We're, our office is gonna be closed this week, but we'll be checking the email at frontdesk at nview.org. So you can email us there or call one of the staff. Um, and also because the offices are closed and we don't have service in person today, if you wanted to get a, a check in for this month, it just needs to be postmarked by the uh, end of the month. And also, as Steve shared a few weeks ago, we've been facing some financial challenges as a church and honestly shutting our, uh, the doors for, for this week makes it a little more difficult to kind of reach some of those numbers that we need to see. And so we'd also ask if you could pray this week about what God may be asking of you for, for helping us out in this season to making it through and pushing through the end of the year. So I have the privilege this morning of being able to step in for Steve this week, and I'm excited to wrap up our series on God with us that we've been talking about this, this Christmas. And so let's pray as we begin. And so, Father, we just say thank you, Lord, that we get to celebrate your birth, and not just your birth, but your coming, becoming one of us, so that we can join you for all of eternity. Thank you that you did for us what we could not do, so that for all of eternity we get to join with you, Lord. What a gift it is to celebrate you and to celebrate not just your birthday, but your life and all that you have done and all that you continue to do, Lord Jesus. And today, as we enter back into your word and we look at God with us and how you reign overall for all of eternity, may you turn our hearts, prepare our hearts to, to hear from your word what it is you want to speak with us. And Lord, in whatever distracted state we may be in this morning, and whether it be words with friends or candy crush or reading the news of the day as we're in the midst of this, Father, we ask that we may be able to focus in upon you, Lord Jesus, and your words for us this morning. Thank you, Father. All right. So our series this, this uh, Christmas is, that Steve's been going through has been called God With Us. And we've been looking at the, the different names of, or titles given to, God, or given to Jesus in the book of Isaiah. That Jesus is God with us, not just at his birth, but for his entire life. And as we saw this fall, it, it continues for all of eternity, as we saw with the incarnation series as we were doing before. And so we saw from Isaiah so far, the first four weeks we did, we saw wonderful counselor. We saw the mighty God in week two. Week three, Steve was talking about the everlasting father and looking at the, the father's heart of God. And then just a few days ago at Christmas Eve, we looked at Prince of Peace and and the four titles, they outline the nature and the power of the person who would be the Messiah. And no wonder Israel was looking for a warrior king, because it's all found in the titles right there as we see them. And now we want to bring this whole series, kind of tie it together with a bow, as we talk about this great king's kingdom of what he's called us to. The kingdom that is presently here, but is still yet to come. 
It's often referred to as the now but not yet kingdom of God. And so let's look at those verses in Isaiah again as we pull out some more things that the Lord might want to show us this morning. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says, For us, or to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, Steve covered the Prince of Peace just on Christmas Eve, and if you missed it, I encourage you to go watch it. But this morning, we'd like to piggyback off of that and look at this word government. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And these two words often don't go together, of government and peace, right? Don't usually flow together, but they're the longing of every human culture. And it's important to note that Isaiah didn't just pull these words out of the middle of nowhere. It wasn't just some random message that was given to him, but this is, he is running off a well-known promise and hope that God has spoken years before to Israel. 300 years before Isaiah, God had given a revelation to King David through his prophet Nathan. And Isaiah and all of Israel were very well aware of these prophecies. And they come out of the book of 2 Samuel, which we want to look at for a minute, where there's a conversation of King David and his desire to build a house, a temple for the Lord. And initially, Nathan gives his approval, but then the Lord spoke to him and tells him to tell David that it would be his son, not David, who we know as Solomon, his son, who would build the temple. And then God says to David, and this is going to be a little bit of a longer read, but we want to go through it because it's beautiful the way this is read out. So, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. So obviously this is God speaking to David. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more, and violent men shall afflict them no more. As formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. Right, and he keeps going. In verse 11 he says, And I will give you rest from all your enemies, he says to David. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, this being Solomon, who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, that's the temple, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So it's a reference to Solomon here, but you see all of a sudden the language starts shifting a bit about eternal language here. And he says, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. So most obviously feel here that Solomon is the major fulfillment of, many of, these pas- of most of these passages here. But we can see it's clearly not just about him as it then moves into the eternal. And then we get to the next verse, in verse 16, he says this, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. That's King David's throne as he's speaking here. 
and as he's starting to move prophetically as he speaks of the Messiah. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So Nathan, through this prophecy, revealed that the Messiah would be through the line, the lineage of King David. And here's the key, the key point here. Both in David's promise and the prophecy to him, as well as to Isaiah and his prophecy, the key point is the same, and that is that his reign will never end. God is in charge. Jesus reigns over all. This is what he's saying. Through What's being shouted out through each of these prophecies is that Jesus' reign will never end. He is in control. He is in charge, and his reign is eternal. God had shown that, 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 sorry, from his lineage and his throne, that God would raise up one of his, David's offspring, to be his mighty king. And that this mighty king would be the Messiah and the Savior of the world. This is the passage that Isaiah is referring to. He's referring back to this passage in Samuel. So then, let's go back and read that passage in Isaiah again in verse 7. As with David's promises in mind, and look at it again. It jumps out in a completely different way here. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. You see, that's just a repetition from Samuel. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, if we jump from David to Jesus, we're talking about a thousand years of time that passed between these passages, right? 300 years from David to Isaiah, and then 700 more years from Isaiah to Jesus. And this period of time that in, that in between, that includes, I mean, the death of all the vision of the people when Babylon comes in and subdues the people, enslaves them, destroys the temple, wipes out what, what seems to be everything that matters to them and takes them as slaves off to Babylon. This period of time also includes the rise of Rome, the destruction of Babylon, the destruction of Greece, and the rise of Rome and its stranglehold on the Mediterranean Sea, including Israel. And then we come to Jesus' birth. And so now look, let's look at the passage that's very familiar to many of us at this time of the year and want to see it in a new light based on what we see from King David and from Samuel. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, he says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And he continues and he says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. Here it is. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So woven into the narrative of the Christmas story is the same promise that God gave to King David. It's the same promise that Isaiah gave the coming of the coming Messiah that he would sit on the throne of David and his kingdom, there would be no end, that Jesus would reign forever, and that people do not need to fear because Jesus is on the throne and he's never getting off. 
The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, and kind of the same picture, but showing it in his role as a high priest. It says in chapter 7, verse 23, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from, con from continuing in office. But Jesus, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now notice the word permanently here. And because Jesus is now a high priest permanently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Jesus' reign continues forever. And he draws all people unto himself. So, so what's the point I'm making in all this? It's, it's this, it's that we have a permanent king. One who is also a permanent priest whose reign will last forever. And we can hold on to this incredible reality because it's an eternal reality, not just one that's temporal with our circumstances that change from day to day, but this is an eternal reality that Jesus is on the throne now and forevermore. And so what does that mean for us today? First, it means we do not need to live in fear because our God reigns now and forevermore, and he's with us right now. This God is God with us, Emmanuel. You know, in, in the past 18 months, it's, it's been so easy oftentimes to give into fear and panic, right? I mean, it's so often it seems that we're so quick just to react and, and, to, and not even take time to respond properly. And, and sometimes it feels in the last 18 months and probably beyond that, that Christians are reacting and, and acting in, in really poor judgment, sometimes just as much as non-Christians with the pressures that are happening. And it often feels like our hope lies far more in comfort and in our security than it does in the hope of Christ. And, and this season has been an incredible revealer of our hearts. It can often feel like Christ is not reigning forever. And, and for some of us, maybe it feels like Christ is not reigning at all as chaos seems to be reigning in many of our lives. And these past 18 months have showed for, us, for many of us that many people, their foundations were actually quite weak. We say we're trusting in God, but really we were just trusting in our circumstances. As long as the outcome was good, we felt good, and we said we're trusting in God and things were well, but as our circumstances change and we don't like the results of what's going on, we recognize that we actually don't trust in that much. When, when the boat gets rocked and, and the pressure comes and coping mechanisms even are revealed and stripped away, we see how we're actually doing. As Warren Buffett once said, that when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. And right now, the tide is out for so many. And we see what's going on below the surface. And so where should we turn when we lose control or, or when we're anxious or scared or, or filled with angst? Well, Christ, obviously, he's on the throne and he reigns. But what do we usually do instead of turning to him in these times of loneliness and isolation and pain and heartache and loss? Well, usually we freak out and panic. Or we try to, to control our situations with all of our effort and control the outcomes ourselves. And we use coping mechanisms, whether it be things like pornography and, or, or social media that just try and numb the pain and, and pretend that it's not there, or video games or something. Or we stay as busy as possible so we don't have to actually be present to what's going on. And the moment we sit still, all of a sudden our brain starts going crazy because we aren't actually doing well. We think as long as we keep the plate spinning fast enough, we should be okay. Or many of us turn to alcohol or other vices. You know, and during the pandemic, I was just looking up the, 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 
the amount of wine sold has gone up 20% in this during the pandemic, right? People are drinking more wine than ever before during this pandemic. And that's not just because they like a good Merlot. It's because people are coping, right? They're literally drinking their feelings. And I just want to be honest, there's something that has happened in the church, in the Christian church, in, in the last number of years that I don't think is a healthy thing, is that people even make light of the idea of drinking wine in the midst of, of heartache, in the midst of other things, as though now it's okay for us to drink our feelings away and to drink our, as a coping mechanism. And I see many, many in the church who do this. And it's, it breaks the heart of God because we're not turning to Him. We're turning to vices and other things to try and soothe the pain instead of running to Him. And often as a last resort, or, or just as an add-on, do we often remember that the God of the universe is right there with us. Emmanuel, right by our side. The God who reigns forever and ever is right there with us. You know, one of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Revelation. And not for the reason a lot of people get excited about it, trying to figure out all the end time stuff and the mark of the beast and all the rest of it. That's a, a different talk. But because the book of the Revelation of Revelation is an incredible book of a vision of Jesus through the Apostle John to a church that was suffering deeply, incredibly so, pain that none of us have experienced. They were living in incredible fear and were about to experience a couple hundred years of insane persecution and hardship and torture. And the church was terrified. The people didn't know what to do, most of them recent converts, and are wondering, should we really be put to death for this God that died years ago? I mean, every one of Jesus' disciples is dead, has died a martyr's death by the time John receives this vision. He's the only living disciple of Jesus, and many other followers of Christ, countless others have already died, and many, many, many multiplied exponentially numbers going forward will be dying in the coming years. And often people read the book of Revelation, they get caught up in funky images and pictures, and they think it's kind of a scary thing, but it's the exact opposite of scary, because this book is written to a people who are suffering and persecuted and are terrified. If you're to give a title for the book, the best title would be, Fear Not, For I Am With You and I Am In Control, would be Jesus' word to the people, or, or Jesus wins and so do we. Because in this book, Jesus gives a vision to his closest friend, the apostle Jesus loved, the apostle John. And in chapter 1, right out of the beginning, he's going to emphasize that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. That he is right there with his church. And he calls the church's lampstands right there in chapter 1. And, and he shows them a picture of him walking among them. He describes the churches around the time as these lampstands. And he gives them this picture of him right in their midst saying, I am Emmanuel, the God of all creation, and I am right among you in the midst of all that you're going through. He's showing them that he's in the midst of them, in the midst of their struggles and their pain and the heartache, that he is with them and that he's with us. And he's on his throne and he is reigning. And the original readers of Revelation, when they receive these letters, they don't need to be afraid of the death that is to come because God is with them. And then he gives this incredible picture in, in verse 12 of chapter 1. Jesus says, when I turned to, or this is John reading this out, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, he says, I saw seven golden lampstands, right? That's the lampstands that he says are representative of the church. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. This is Jesus. But this is Jesus in a very different picture than we see in other places in Scripture. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool as white as snow, and his eyes were like the flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, 
and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. Now notice in this picture, it doesn't say this is what he was, it says it's what he's like, because this picture is so brilliant that John can't even see it clearly. Everything is, it was like this or like that, and it's this incredible picture with language coming right out of the book of Daniel. And this is the picture Jesus gives to the people who are being persecuted and are terrified of what the future holds. As he opens up this book and is going to be talking about some of the events to come, he gives this picture of him right from the get-go where he, he kind of pulls back the curtain and shows himself not just as the man that died on a cross as Jesus who hung out with them on the earth, but he shows in all of his power and all of his authority, he reveals to them, this is who I am. This is my authority. In his hand, he holds seven stars, seven suns that sit within one hand and a giant sword that comes out of his mouth. And he's saying that I have all power and all authority. He's saying, are you scared of Rome? Are you scared of what they can do to you? I am the one that spoke the universe into existence. I can raise up nations or crush them with a word. In fact, in the Old Testament, Jesus, or, uh, the, the prophets speak of the nation of Babylon, the scariest nation to the Israelites of the Old Testament. And God refers to them as saying, they're like a stick in my hand that I can do whatever I want with. The most powerful nation, evil nation, empire ever existed against his people. And he says, they're like a stick in my hand. Jesus tells the churches of Asia, here in chapter 1 of Revelation, look at me, I am in control. You have nothing to fear. Again, he shows in this image, not just of him dying on a cross, but in him, kind of with the, the curtain pulled back, revealed in all of his brilliance and authority and power. With the sword coming out of his mouth, and we see what that's for later on in the book. This isn't a huggable picture like Jesus lit with John laying his head upon his breast. This is Jesus in all authority and power, the sword coming out of his mouth. Not the guy you really want to give a big hug to at the moment. But we see that sword later on is for him wiping out the enemies of his people, those who have hurt them and killed them, that the martyrs are crying out for justice. And the sword is used as a sword of judgment and vengeance against the enemy. And so John sees this revelation and look at his response in the next verse, starting in verse 17. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead now can you remember who john is this is the apostle that jesus loved this is the one who laid his head upon his breast last summer john knows what jesus's farts smell like right i mean he knows jesus so well he's been around him so much knows him inside and out he knows him so well but all he ever saw him was in the flesh when he sees him revealed in his power and authority the person knows jesus better than any human being that's ever existed falls down as though dead he is so overwhelmed with the power and the authority and the greatness of who jesus is this is a picture of Jesus that is way beyond anything John could have ever dreamed of. And he's telling the people that you can trust in God. You can trust in him. He will be your deliverer. That Jesus is with them. He is Emmanuel. He is among the lampstands. And they can have peace and comfort no matter the trial. Because God is with them. Now, how frequently do we put our trust in things that we can control rather than putting our trust in God? I mean, so often it seems our, our, our vision, our, we just get tunnel vision, and it, it's so narrow because we don't actually believe that God's going to be there for us. Or we lose sight of the fact that, that He is truly mighty God. 
He's truly the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and that He reigns forever and ever, and that this God is with us. Jesus is with us. This star-breathing, cosmos-creating God is on His throne, and He is with us in the storms. He's with us in the angst and the loneliness, and He's with us when life just goes to hell sometimes. And there's no promise here that our circumstances will always turn out the way we want them to. Just that God is present with me right now, right in the midst of it. Many of the people that read these words and heard them directly from John himself, they were people that they that were going to give up their lives to martyrdom just soon thereafter. But they knew that the God that they served was so much greater than whatever hardship they would be facing. And that he reigns forever and they could put their complete trust in him. Jesus gave them this vision so that they would open their eyes to, to look beyond their own circumstances, to see beyond their own brokenness, and to see Jesus on his throne. There's a beautiful story in the book of Daniel of Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, about to be thrown into a, fir- a, a fiery furnace. And the king at that time had demanded that everyone worship him, bow down and worship uh, and pray to him. And, and, and the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were unwilling to do that because they would only serve their God. And he says, if you don't do this, he goes, you will die. And the response of the three friends is amazing because they said, we know that our God is able to deliver us. Right? We know that he is on the throne. We know that our God reigns and he has power us to deliver us from any evil that you may put upon us. But then they say, even if he doesn't deliver us, even if we die in the flames, we will still follow him. Our, our obedience, our trust in him is not based upon our circumstances turning out the way we want them to. But it's based upon his goodness, our trust in him, and that he is so much greater than us. And we know his love for us is greater than we could ever understand. So they trusted in him. In fact, that's the context of the whole book of Isaiah. This passage we've been going through during this entire month of December of looking at the names of God and who he is. The entire context of Isaiah is the same. When Isaiah gives these prophecies of the Messiah whose reign lasts forever, who's the wonderful counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting Father, they were being spoken to a people who were about ready to move into extinction, being completely removed from the face of the earth. They were under terrible attack from enemies. And they were living in incredible immorality, avoiding God at every cost, sacrificing babies to Molech. And they were, every time they were called on it, they were running to foreign nations and idolaters to try and save them or to their own leaders. And God's telling them again and again and again in the book of Isaiah. The whole first half of it is telling them, turn to me, trust me, trust me. I am on the throne, trust me. Babylon is like a stick in my hand, trust me. I can deliver you. And I am with you. And that's what Isaiah is showing over and over and over again. That salvation is only found in the Lord and we can trust him. That God reigns and that he's with us. He is Emmanuel. And yet it's so easy to forget that he's on the throne or that he's even near us. Especially in this Christmas season where life gets so busy, so full. With so much chaos and busyness, and even sleeplessness, supposed to be a a time of cheer, and it is for many, but so many others, this is actually a season of loss, or of pain, and heartache, and just chaos of busyness, and, and one thing after another, and all the programs, and everything else, that we actually lose sight of where Jesus is at. Now, I'm just gonna get a little personal here, because this message, honestly, just, just, 
really hit me last night, and maybe a little too much personal, but there's only a few people here to try and stop me, so I think I can just keep going. But um, just recently, I mean, honestly, this just, just kind of wrecked me just last night where God dealt with me, so I'm just going to share from that, and uh, hopefully it comes across clear. But Sarah and I, we went into Christmas a little, a little weary this, 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 this year. Um, First of all, it's our first full Christmas season back in America after moving back from overseas, and there, were, there was so much expectation of joy of what that would be, of being able to really celebrate with the kids and, and hoping to celebrate with my parents. And my, our first year, my dad's a professional Santa, and we will do Santa photos with him after 25 years of living overseas, being home for Christmas. First year of the kids being here in, in that way. And, and then uh, the, early in the morning uh, of Christmas Day, right or middle of the night of, of Christmas morning, we woke up to the joy of the night before Christmas was uh, explosive vomit from one of our children. Um, and when I say explosive, I don't want to get into details, but truly explosive over bed, floor, other bed, every stuffy, cart, curtains, carpet. I mean, we're talking everywhere, track through. I do not know how it's possible for that much to be inside a little body, but it was impressive, right? And so we, we spent Christmas morning early through the night, sleepless hours, vacuuming up, cleaning, scrubbing, vomit, literally kneeling in it, you know, hands, feet, all in the whole process. Your parents, you've been there before. And, and, and we were exhausted from that. But that was also coming after the previous night when another one of our children <laughs> woke us up right in the middle of the night again into our bedroom uh, with explosive diarrhea. Uh, I don't want to get into all the details, but let's just be honest. It was trudging through the floor. It was just as bad as the vomit. I don't know how this is physically possible. It was the most epic night of our kids' lives uh, for those two nights of what we experienced in those two days as a parent, things you, you live for. Uh, we're talking everywhere, all over the floor, all over every item, and then tracked through the house from their room all the way to our bedroom, just Wow, it was impressive. So that night was spent up through the middle of the night cleaning up a world's largest mess. Next night followed by that again. And, and then we wake up Christmas morning hoping everything's going to be good. And then as I wake up on Christmas morning celebrating my kids, all of a sudden I realize, dang it. I mean, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I only slept a couple hours that night. But I wake up and realize that the joy is to have my parents over. And if some of you guys have listened to me, you know, my father has pancreatic cancer and his health has been ill. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just, so I just Googled, don't do this, but I just Googled symptoms of COVID. And, of course, it's every symptom under the world. Under the world but some of the top two were vomiting and diarrhea. And I just thought, I can't in good conscience invite my father over to our house for Christmas if my kids are that way. So I'm like, I need to get tested. And so I spent the morning trying to figure it out and get test my kids tested for COVID. Eventually found out a wonderful option, got them tested. We got all worked out. They were negative. Thank goodness. We could have Christmas. We call up the parents. They're able to come over and we all sit down and settle and just be able to a very kind of later in the day to, to start our Christmas celebration and, and let the kids open presents with grandparents. And at that moment, I, I, I got a phone call um, stating that uh, basically that we had details that, well, church is, is, is going to be a little different this week right? Because we had a COVID exposure. And, and then we just go, you know, to, 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 to do mode, right? It's just, it's just get to it, like phone calls and do this and planning and how do we pivot to this and all the rest of what's going on. And, and just problem solving again and again and again. And so then I spend time starting to worry about, oh no, was I exposed? Because now my parents are here. And, and, and my father, I mean, there's nothing that, that, that I care about more in the world than my family and, and caring for them. But it's also, I just long for these times because don't know how much longer they're going to be able to celebrate these days together. And, and so eventually I also find out I'll be preaching today and, and we deal with that. And then we get my mom and dad home. We get the kids to bed and lots more phone calls. And, and finally I sit down last night. I mean, I, I recognize this is just my own stuff, but it's just the process. I mean, I sit down last night finally to, to look at Steve's notes for today and, and the message and just kind of start processing what's going on and to figure out what to say. 
And I'm going through it, and I'm just in do mode, and I'm, I'm just trying to think, okay, well, how can I adapt this? How can I, I find good application? How can I make this so it doesn't just seem like giving someone else, I'm just being honest, someone else's message, my insecurities come to the surface, how do I make this my own without sounding wooden? How do I do this online video thing with no one in the room? I mean, all this stuff's going through my head, and, and it's getting later at night. And I'll be honest, there, at, at some point in, in, in the evening, I, I think it was around 10 o'clock or something last night, I finally, for the first time in the day, I just stopped. I just said, Lord, I need you. I said, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I said, Lord, I've not even acknowledged him. I've prayed a few times in the day, but I never took time to recognize that he was with me. The God of the universe was with me the whole day. And I stopped what I was doing. I just sat there in silence. I, I did a couple kind of breath prayers of just, honestly, my, my, but I just, you know, Emmanuel, Lord, Emmanuel, you are with us. Oh, Emmanuel, you, you are with us, Lord. Calm my heart, because my heart just felt so hurried. My spirit was just busy. It felt so rushed, and, and I was tired from lack of sleep. I, 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 was, I was tired of cleaning up diarrhea and vomit and, and cleaning out the, cor- the carpets of, and the stuffed animals of vomit and all the rest of it. And then I went down to the garage and saw the shop back in there that was filled with vomit that had been sitting there for over 24 hours. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to clean this now. I was just tired. My kids were, were sick and cranky, and I was too, to be honest, for much of the day. And for the, full first, the first full Christmas season being back home in America, this was not the way I wanted it to go, right? And much of it's my own fault because I just, I was hurried and I was busy and I was trying to get stuff done. And I kept looking at my dad and seeing the pain he was in through the day. And I'm just grieving and saying, Lord, this isn't the way it was supposed to be. It, it wasn't a terrible day. There were so many beautiful elements. But I sat there last night, and I'm just like, God, how did I miss you? How did I get caught in my own world? Just trying to do stuff. And as I sat there with the Lord, I recognized I've been moving entirely my own strength today. I'd just been problem solving and trying to get stuff done. And in the chaos, I'd somehow had lost sight of the fact that the Savior of the world was right there with me the whole day. The Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, the Almighty God who reigns forever was right with me in that moment. He had been with me the entire day. I just sat with him, Lord. I just repented and and, and the tears flowed and I just, I immediately, the Prince of Peace just poured his peace out over my heart. I just thanked him. That he was there and I said, Lord, I don't want to ever do this again. I don't want to forget the nearness of your presence, that you were on the throne and you were with me the whole time. That God that holds the seven stars in his hand in the midst of my feeble. I mean, I recognize my problems and me even crying through this may sound like nothing compared to what many are going through and those that are suffering loss of those that they hope would be there for Christmas. They can't because they're not here with them or those are out of work or struggling in so many ways, so much more significant what I'm experiencing. But the God who sold seven star, who has seven stars in his hand, the one who created the galaxies and the heavens and this little earth planet that we're on right now. He's also with us. He is God with us right here, right now. And sometimes we can lose sight of how amazing he truly is. That not only is he an incredible, powerful creator, but he is here. He is with us. And in this season, we get to celebrate that God is with us, not just coming as a baby, but for eternity he reigns. He's with us when we're nervous and anxious. He's with us when we're tempted to look at porn or, or to have another drink. 
He's with us when we're terrified because of our cancer diagnosis or a COVID scare that we do not need to be afraid. We do not have to try to control our circumstances because God is with us and he reigns forever and ever. And he is present to us right now. So whatever you're going through right now, for those that Christmas has been beautiful and wonderful, praise God, continue to seek him in the good. But whatever stress you may be under, whatever loss you may be facing, whatever fear has been rising, the God who spoke the universe into existence is right here with us right now. This is the center of what the Christmas season is all about, that God is with us and we will be with him forever. He came for us and he's not letting go. And so we can bring our burdens to him. We can trust him with our fears and with our failures. Like Daniel's friends, we, we can hold on to him no matter the outcome, no matter the circumstances. Like the early church in the book of Revelation, we can keep our eyes fixed upon him regardless of how painful or terrifying our circumstances is. Last night, I, I felt like I was, as I recognized that I was like Peter just flailing at the water at Jesus' feet when Jesus comes walking and he gets called out. And I was just flailing around and Jesus standing right in front of me. And I was just flailing and flailing and not seeing him for the whole day and just getting caught in the chaos of the storm. And all I had to do was just open my eyes and look up and say, oh, there you are. You're right here with me, Lord. May I be able to keep my eyes focused upon you. Thank you, Father, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, and that you reign forever and ever and ever, and you are on the throne, Lord. Help us, Father, each of us, to grow increasingly aware of the reality of your presence with us, Lord, in the highs and in the lows. And whatever it is that we're walking through, Lord, may we hold on to you increasingly so, Jesus. I pray for whoever's listening right now that is walking through a trial and a struggle of some kind or a stress or loneliness or isolation, Jesus, may you make your presence real to them right now. May they be able to turn to you and just hold on to you in this moment, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your name, and, and, and we celebrate you for how good you are. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And so as we finish this morning, um, by moving church online, uh, it's a wonderful thing because of the snow and everything else, that we did have a few people brave it. Thank you for those who came in to actually have live bodies in the room. Um, As we move church online, it means that most of us were anticipating driving out here in the snow, which means also probably some of us who got stuck in the ditch. Uh, we didn't have musical worship this time either, which means all I'm saying is there's been a lot of saved time this morning that would have otherwise been spent if we did done church in person. And, and, and while that gives you wonderful time for time well, at home with the family or other things, I, I want to just put a challenge out there for this morning. Because you have at least an extra hour, and if you're serving, you have many hours left extra. Take a few minutes this morning or at some point today Take some time, because you have it. It's been given to you. It wasn't expected. It's free time. Turn off the advice. Turn off the TV. Turn off the football. Whatever it is that's distracting you. Take a few minutes today and go to the Lord in silence. And just say, Emmanuel, thank you that you are with me. And pray. 
and ask the Holy Spirit to show us where in our hearts and where in our lives we've been trying to control and exert control over everything and we've not turned to Him in His strength. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal in our hearts right now, whenever you take the time to do this, take some time, honestly, take a few minutes or more with Him and to say, Lord, show me where am I just walking in my own strength? Where am I plodding along as though you are not on the throne and I am? Where am I pretending to be God right now in relationships and life and whatever it may be? Where do I need to put you back on the throne and recognize that you are Lord of my life and you are right here with me? And take some time to spend with him and to reorient your posture and your eyes that the king of the universe, the creator of the cosmos is right here with us, God with us. Amen.